0: All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Limbless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Raya. And today, guys, we're going to go deep into real estate, mindset, success, and what it takes to win in this economic cycle. You guys ready? Let's rock it. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya functional cardiologist, high performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness, all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10-plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high-achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to up-level their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all of my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. I have my good friend, Michael Holman. Michael, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Vic. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's get right into it, man. I heard from a little uh, bird out on the street that you were on a phone call with some big players. Is that true?
1: You know, I uh, I don't know if I would say a phone call with the big players. It was more like a phone call... Uh, to the big players. So definitely have some interesting stories about that. Um, just sort of what it, what it takes to really start, you know, achieving your dreams and, and making things happen, uh, especially when you don't have necessarily a clear path forward. So that's, it's a very interesting story. I can, I can go into detail. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it, want. man.
0: My, my listeners are successful doctors, physicians, entrepreneurs, and investors, and they are looking for the cutting edge in life. They want to succeed in wealth, health, mindset, business, and freedom. So let's get into it. Um, Absolutely. What is your killer? Where do you get your killer mindset from?
1: You know, that is something... I I always want to attribute it to something that, uh, you know, something great that I did. And sometimes I almost feel like I was just like born with it. Right. Is I I have this ability or I have this desire to just be relentless. That's kind of the word that describes me. Most of the people that I know. uh, No, never means no to me. No, it just means maybe or find another way. Right. And and that's really what's happened. I mean, that goes along with this story on, on trying to, You know, having to kind of forge your own path, because I find that a lot of people um, that are really successful, right, a lot of just high income earners in general, they oftentimes have had this pretty set path for them. And they almost go haywire when they start thinking about, you know, maybe this isn't the right path or what I'm trying to do, or maybe I'm not fulfilling everything in my life that I want to be fulfilling, You know, but a lot of these high income earners and and I I was on that same path. Right. It's it's go to a top tier university, get a prestigious degree, go work in either a prestigious industry or for a prestigious firm. Right. Who has a very set path. I mean, I went and worked for Ernst and Young right out of college and it was very set. Right you are a staff for two years, you are a senior for three years, you are a manager for two years, you're a senior manager, right? And you you have this set path. And, you know, I had to kind of break myself free out of that. And that's kind of what developed this mindset for me, is I kind of went into that. And I was almost the opposite, like most people like that. And I kind of went haywire in that environment. I was like, you mean, you mean there's a set path? And in the end, I make $900,000 a year, you know, the average income of a, of a partner at Ernst & Young. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's cool. But you're telling me I have to wait 14 years to do that. It's like, you know, I, I cannot sit here with these sets set past. Like I have to go out and I have to kind of forge my own way. I have to figure out how to do these things that I've always wanted to do. Cause I'm not somebody who's going to sit there and wait for 14 years and just follow the status quo. And I So I find that a lot of people are almost the opposite, right? You get these, you get the doctors, you get the bankers who've been in there. They've had this set path and now they're thinking about switching and they kind of go haywire.
0: Um, So, so Michael, there's a lot of correlates from what you're saying. So, you know what? I think comfort kills drive and, and I've been blessed to know so many smart people in my life. And what I've noticed is uh, they crush it in elementary school. They're smart in middle school. They're excellent in high school. Then they get to a good college. Some are great colleges. Some are like elite Ivy colleges. Then they get a grad school degree or some kind of professional degree of some sort. And then they get into even a better fellowship or residency or if it's, they're working, they get a great, really good job. But something happens in their 30s. They lose steam. Uh, they've won the accolades. Um, they've been praised by everyone they know. And then they chill. And that is where I kept on going. I, I felt like, all right, what's next, right? And that's what you're saying, Michael. You're like, what's next? And that what's next is what I want to ask you about. Where did you get no means find another way? Where did you learn to become relentless? What is it? I, I don't I don't take that you are born with it. I think something was triggered. Something was developed. Something was forged inside you. Where did that come from? And how do my... Listeners, how does this tribe reignite their own relentlessness?
1: Yeah, I I have to attribute a lot of it to my father, right? So Ken Holman, he he started the company that we work for. He's the founder, um, and, and a lot of it comes from my childhood, right? So I have I was blessed with parents that didn't um, they were very hands off but they also push me to do things outside of my comfort zone, even from a small age, right? I remember perfect example. It's I'm in sixth grade. And I remember talking to my, to my mom and my dad saying, you know what? I really wish we had a skate park in my city. I was big into like roller and skateboarding in sixth grade. You know, I'm a 12 year old and, and I'm like, I'm sick of having for you to drive me across to this other city to go to a skate park. And you want know, this is, this is the mindset uh, or the attitude that I was raised in, uh, my dad looks at me and he goes, all right, you want a skate park, son, we're going to go to the next city council meeting and you are going to present to city council on why you should have a skate park. Right. And so uh, here I am, I'm, (laughs) I'm a 12 year old, right. Getting ready to go to present to the city council. And obviously, you know, they were all nice about it and whatnot, but talk about getting out of your comfort zone right from the beginning. Right. And that's kind of where I started to learn and realize and say, hey, you know what? It, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. You can start to do these things that make impacts and, and you can start to become, you know, relentless in what you want. Because I started seeing as I had that mindset growing up and then as I got older, I started seeing all these people that that were going off the path. Right. They they were they were like you said, they had received all these things. Um, but but they changed, something triggered in them. And I saw them being really successful and I started finding a correlation, right? It was the people who, who, uh, who were relentless, who didn't take no for an answer. Those are the people that really started to thrive in their life and even at an early age, right? I, I, I mean, you look at me, uh, a lot of people, especially when I got started, right? So I've been in this business for five years um, and I spent the first two years just trying to basically look older than, than I was for those first two years. Um, and, and that's really what, you know, because, because people would look at me and say, well, you're just, you know, a 20 something year old, you have no idea what you're talking about, but I had that relentless mindset and it just kind of got more and more ingrained. I mean, correlate what happened when I was 12, to what happened when I first started at this company. And we got a project, a real estate development project. Um, we were just coming up out of out of some hard times. And we needed to raise $10 million. We needed $10 million of an equity investment. And I looked around to everybody, I said, How do we raise $10 million? And everybody looked at me and said, uh, go, go figure it out. We don't know. Uh, and that's when I started. I just started with what I knew, right? And I worked, I worked from there and I said, Well, I need $10 million. Uh, I just come from EY. I was like, I know Goldman Sachs has $10 million, but Blackstone has $10 million. I started creating this list. I even did a Google search, right? Who has money essentially. And I just started cold calling these people. <laughs> and, and so here I am, right. I have
0: I understand this. You want a $10 million for a real estate development project. Again, for those of guys who don't know, uh, Michael Holman is a successful real estate developer. One of the Uh, the best in the West coast uh, on the, on the Western uh, part of the country. And then he does it with his father and his brother. And um, the interesting thing is he's younger than everybody in the company, but he thinks outside the box. And you're saying $10 million instead of saying, Hey, we can't do the project or let's pass or let's, you know, let's get a bank loan. You're like, let me figure out how to get it. And then you started calling people like Blackstone (laughs) and let, let people know who Blackstone is. Yeah. So Goldman are like, who are these people?
1: Absolutely. So Goldman Sachs is one of the largest, they might be the largest investment bank in the world. Um, you also have Blackstone, which is one of the largest private equity groups, uh, in the nation, in the world really. And so, uh, they do, you know, their first fund was a billion dollar fund. That was fund one for Blackstone, Mm -hmm. right? So that's these huge monster groups, right? And that's, that's just kind of the I've had, and that has been instilled in me from a young age is that there's always a way, right? And the funny thing is, is it never really happens the way that I initially think it's going to happen, right? So here I am, I'm calling, I'm calling Blackstone, I'm calling Goldman Sachs, and this is like, you know, I'm calling the receptionist. Hey, um, who do I talk to who can like invest $10 million with me, right? So 99% of them, let me say uh, 95% of them, didn't even respond, right? They didn't bother even getting back to me. Uh, 4% just berated me and was like, you have no business calling me. Stop calling me. Um, But you know what? I had one or two people that I didn't end up doing the deal with, right? I didn't get $10 million from these guys, but they gave me just enough nuggets of information that I was able to pivot some things on the project adjust some things here. And that led to, uh, another design change in the projects, which led to another connection, which ultimately led to us getting that entire project done. And it looked a little bit different at the end, but it was these dominoes effect, the domino effect, right? Where you you got the money in the end though, right? It got the money in the end. Right. And And the the deal got done and the deal got done. Right. And sometimes that's, that's what you have to start off with is you just start with what you know, and you get outside of your comfort zone and you say, you know what, I have no clue what I'm doing, but neither did anybody else when they got started. Right. And so I'm gonna figure it out. And I'm okay getting, you know, I'm the kind of person if you, I'm okay getting berated, right? Like I've been told so many times in my life that I that we shouldn't be doing something that we're too small for a deal, that we don't have enough information, that we don't have enough money, right? I mean, people have been telling me and us as a company that you know, ever since I've been here. And yet we just keep getting stuff done. It's like, it just, it it's water, out, uh, water under the bridge for us. We just keep going. It rolls off our back and we find the people who are interested and who do want to continue that relationship.
0: That's awesome, bro. I love that story. And, you know, something comes to mind, this quote that every master was once a disaster. Right. And that's exactly what you're uh, exemplifying here. And, you know, you're talking about berated, you know, belittled, you know, I remember when I was starting my, um, Uh, 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 integrative functional medicine clinic, and I was like, offering my, you know, uh, wellness packages to people and patients would be like, Oh, you know, they would make fun of me, they would just say, Hey, you know, who this, like, this doesn't make sense, or all that, or like, when I first started asking people to invest in my company, or there's always this like learning curve. And it's, it's about like, putting your head down, and using that same word relentlessness, it's like, Look, I'll figure out a way. And if I can't figure out a way, we'll make the way, right? And that, uh, you know, this mental armor that we're creating, this uh, and David Goggins calls it spiritual calluses. Create the spiritual calluses in your brain and you withstand the onslaught because at some point you will be victorious if you persist. And so I love that, bro. So uh, let's talk about uh, how do you balance being super dad uh, running some of those real estate companies you do, traveling and all the other stuff uh, that you do? Like, how do you balance it all? What's your secret time management strategy?
1: Oh man, the secret is there is no secret, right? Um, for for me, what I try and do and the golden rule that I've had um, over the last you know 6 years cuz like the first company i went in right out of college like i said was ernst and young which is very uh, anybody who knows right it's it's a pretty time consuming position you, during busy season which usually lasts you know 4 to 5 months you're you're working on average usually 15 16 hours a day and so what i what i determined through that period was that i would be 100% present uh, with whatever i'm doing at that time And that's how I get the most done, right? So like when I'm in the mornings, uh, I get to work usually at around nine, but in the mornings when I'm home with my kids, I, I do not open up my emails generally. And I try and spend as much time as I can with my kids. When I'm exercising, when I'm doing my workout, I'm currently doing boxing classes of all things and it's awesome, right? But I am fully committed to my boxing class in that one hour period. When I get to work, I am fully engaged, right? I'm not on social media. I'm not looking up YouTube videos, right? I am fully engaged in what I'm doing. And I find that I'm infinitely more productive in all aspects of my life, even when they feel out of balance a little bit, right? Sometimes I have to work more. Sometimes I get to work less, but no matter if I'm working more or less, whether I have five hours with my kids at night, or I have one hour with my kids at night, when I am fully engaged, right, they're fulfilled, I'm fulfilled. Uh, and that's really, that's really been my secret. You'll find that with me, there's a lot of times, right? Sometimes text goes unanswered with me, or it takes me a couple of days to respond. It's not because I don't care. It's not because I don't want to be responsive, but it's because I'm fully in the moment of whatever I'm doing at that time.
0: I love that, man. That's awesome. Uh, uh, there's a book I read called by um Og Mandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And he talks about to be married, both to your business and to your family and to your health, you at each each stage of what you're doing, you essentially divorce everything when you're with that person or with that object or with that person with, with with that goal, and so to if you if you separate yourself from that during each of the phases of life, you're allowed to be married to all of it at some at some point. So uh, the other concept of, is time blocking, right? You figured out to, to master time blocking. When you're in a time block dedicated to children, it's all for that children and or dedicated to work. You're all about work. And the number one book on time blocking is The One Thing, which I don't know if you read that by Gary Keller. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yep.
0: Yeah, but it's been one of my favorite books. And uh, um, I, I think you you know, a lot of people talk the concept, the fact that you exemplified it within that example is, is beautiful. So um, what do you think, you know, I have a lot of people here who invest um, a lot of physicians, you know, one of the jokes is physicians are horrible investors. And, <laughs> and what they do is they make million dollar mistakes. Give me an example of some of the types of things that maybe either is it deals? Is it partnerships? Is it miss um miss uh is believing the hype of a, of an investment deck what is it that makes people make million dollar mistakes
1: yeah when i when i think about million dollar mistakes and the people who make those usually what ends up happening i, I kind of go into two different categories there i go into people who don't understand what they should know they don't know what they don't know and therefore they just default to what everyone else or what somebody else tells them right that's that's kind of one category the other category is is the too good to be true group. Right? It's the group that gets enamored by some high return, right? You know, not necessarily Bernie Madoff, but we're talking, you know, 60, 70, 80% returns. It's going to be amazing, you know, give me your money and it's going to come back to you in in 4 days you know double what it was i just need it for 4 days for xyz right those are the two those are the two that i find that a lot of physicians a lot of other groups are most susceptible to and a lot of it boils down to to that first problem of you just don't know what you don't know right and so w- what i find is that um the best thing that you can do as a high income earner as a physician right if you're saying look i don't necessarily have the time or the energy to dedicate like I need to, to understanding about investing, right? Which I think everybody needs to spend some time on it. Then what you need to do is you need to find a person or a group of people that you can surround yourself with, who you trust, who do understand, right? That's how you avoid those mistakes. It's always the one-off partnerships. It's, I invested with this one person that, you know, I saw something from some acquaintance and they're going to make tons of money on it. Right. Or I clicked this ad and it told me I was going to triple my money in six months. Those are the oftentimes the things that I see get people the most. And so you need to be able to have that group, that person that you can look to and say, look, I, I trust you. I've done my research on you. I don't have to know everything in the entire world, but I know everything I need to know about you or as much as I can about you or this group. And you can follow them into, you know, into the investing world into the investing battle. They can often, you know, sometimes that's a financial advisor. Sometimes that's, you know, a a private investment group, whatever the case may be, but it's garnering that trust that can lead you forward it, those million dollar mistakes. I've seen them in partnerships. I've seen them in stock investments. I've seen them in about everything you can, you can see them in. Um, And I've heard a lot of the horror stories being in the business that I'm in. And, and I'm sure you have too. dealing with the number of investors um, that we deal with each and every day. And so for me, that's, that's really the keys. you got to find the people that you trust and that know what they're talking about and surround yourself with those people.
0: Yeah, I think my my top three takeaways uh, in making good investments is, uh, you know, you need to study, right? Lack of specialized knowledge will lead to failure. Even if you're not going to be the main operator on whatever investment you're going into, you got to learn about that industry. Uh, number two is uh, a business plan or business, business plan slash business systems. You need to have an accurate business plan. You got to vet that business plan and make sure, hey, is all the nuances, is all the is all the, uh, the uncertainties, you know, as much as you can, have you mitigated all of that? And number three is a team. Like you talked about the team you trust credible, maybe have a, a track record that you can believe in. Cause not every team is not going to be right hundred percent of the time, but if overall if they have a reasonable track record. They can make things work. And what I've seen is I've seen bad people mess up a good deal and I've seen good people, uh, salvage a bad deal. So it really is based on that team. So that's awesome, bro. Um, Let's talk about uh, some of the strategies that you're using right now in this real estate market to find really good deals. Like, is it are the, all are all the good deals done, and should we just just sit back and and just pray and, and maybe take it easy until twenty twenty three, or should we should we still look for projects?
1: So I get this, I get asked this question pretty much weekly, right? By whether I'm on a podcast or whether it's an investor. Um, and the answer is is almost cliche because you hear it so much, right? There's always deals out there in every market you can find them. Now, uh, not to say that sometimes they're harder to come by than others. Uh, but there's there's definitely always deals to be had in pretty much every single market that exists. Now, what we do specifically and what we're doing specifically, we leverage very highly our relationships, right? We're in a pretty, um, we're in a fairly niche business, right? Uh, in real estate development, there's a lot of real estate developers, but there's a lot less real estate developers than there are, you know, financial advisors or other industries. Right. And so real estate in particular is also, uh, it's a little bit old school, right? It's, uh, it is a little inelastic in the fact that there are deals to be had, there's stuff that happens. You're not in a public market, right, where you have this invisible hand that's constantly moving things to the to the market value all the time. And so we leverage our relationships significantly. We have we have a lot of great relationships with brokers, with landowners, with other real estate sponsors and operators, and that is 99% of what we do and how we find property comes through that network. Um, and that's that's kind of what I, you know, getting back to the team, right? Investing, whether you're a hardcore real estate, you know, developer and sponsor, or whether you're just interested in investing into real estate as a limited partner or buying a rental home, that team is really what's going to make it or break it for you and that network and who you surround yourself with. So that that is how we we're finding almost all of our deals. That plus a proven track record. Um, to show that hey, you can close on a four million dollar property, a nine million dollar property, a two million dollar property, you know, so on and so forth. Those two things combine those, and and we're to a point where, you know, we get more deals to look at than we can than we can do right now.
0: Yep, yeah, uh, I think we're right there with you at Viking Capital. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities once you prove yourself. Uh, now you said something interesting. You said it was due to your leveraging of your relationships. And I know you've been very powerful. For example, the relationship that me and you have was from me being on your podcast and boom, uh, we we're going we're gonna to probably end up doing a project together. Let's talk about what advice you would give someone looking to expand their network and their partnerships, whether it's in real estate or even outside. Like, Let's say they work at Ernst & Young or they work at a hospital and clinic and they may They may want to go into administration, they want to become a chief medical officer, they may want to become CEO of the hospital one day, they need to learn to network and have prove powerful relationships, potentially, they're working in medicine, but now they're starting a side hustle, and they need to learn either to get investors, clients, uh, or even patients, how do how do what's your strategies for networking and partnerships?
1: Yeah, so this goes back to my my days when I was in college and I was trying to I was being recruited for the Big 4 accounting firms, right? I got a master's in accounting. Um there's a big recruiting process that goes on with all of those firms. And um I they have a ton of events, right? Cuz they're they're trying to recruit you. They have all these events and I would talk to all the other all the other students at the time, "Hey, you going to this?" And and they always seemed to say no, right? They were never going to the events. It was pretty sporadic when a lot of them would go and i made it a, a key point i went to every single event right and and my two keys to networking is one be present right in order to establish a network you have to be there right you have to be at the event you have to be on the call you have to be whatever that means you have to be available and present to whoever you're trying to network with. And maybe you don't even know who you're trying to network with, but you got to go to the to the event or to the workshop or whatever it may be that has the type of people you think you should be networking with, right? So that's that is the first thing that I have to say, because when you do that, you start to feel kind of like you're everywhere, right? You're showing up at all these things. You're starting to see people again and again, right? So that, that is my first key to developing a network, right? The next thing that I would say to developing a network, people, uh, people surround themselves with people they like. They do business with people they like. So you have to be present and you have to be likable right? And if you're not likable, that's fine. You might look at yourself and say, Hey, I'm an introvert. I'm not, you know, I'm not one to just go up and talk. Well, I'm not, I know a lot of amazing salespeople that are introverts, right? I know a lot of people who are really likable, who are total and utterly introverts. It drains them to go talk to people, but guess what? They still do it. And they're, they are great at it. In fact, and those are like baseline. Those are the two things that you have to do. You'll find that if you're just there and you're likable, guess what? Maybe it takes you three, four, five interactions with somebody but that person is going to start asking questions, right? That person is going to start getting interested in you and who you are and what you're trying to do. And, and that to me sets the foundation for everything else. I hear people say all the time, well, you got to bring something to the table. You know what? I have people approach me all the time who have, you're, you're, they're trying to bring something to the table, but guess what? If I don't know you and I don't like you yet, I don't necessarily really, I mean, what you have to bring to the table better be amazing. Right. (laughs) For me, for me to skip past the, I don't know you and I don't like you yet. Right. And so those are the two things I think you, when you do those two things and you do them, uh, well, everything else will start to fall into place. You know, you, you'll start to see opportunities arise. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to network and, and you're trying to let people know that, Hey, you're trying to run this hospital right? You want to be the person in charge of running this hospital. Well, who are the people that make that decision, right? Who are the people around there? What are they going to? Because guess what? If they don't know your name, they're probably not going to recommend you to run the hospital. It's And so they have to know who you are. You have to be present. And if they don't like you, guess what? You're probably not going to get around the hospital either. So those are the two things that I say, if you're doing those two things right, you know, you can look at steps three through a hundred if you want, but it pales in comparison to those two things. Yeah, I love
0: how you kept that very simple. I mean, those powerful things that you just mentioned, it's a game changer. And I want to just stack on what you're saying. Um, You know, uh, I think likability, uh, that trust, uh, and being present is is huge. And what I found is also proximity is power. If you're in the room, then you get to potentially be part of the decision, right? If you're not in the room, you're not going to be part of the decision. So be close to the power brokers, the power makers of whatever industry you're in. And 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 finally rapport building, you know. Uh, when you build a rapport, you build a likability, potentially you exchange information. What I've noticed the superstar uh people who, who rapidly build networks versus the ones who take a long time is the power of the follow-up. How many times have you gotten a business card, a contact, an email, a phone, phone number, but not, you did nothing with it? And and I'll I'll be honest, I'm I'm guilty of this as well. So Take that information and do something with it within 24 hours, latest 48 hours, because uh, you know, it goes from being a warm lead to eventually a cold lead. So you want to act quickly. So, man, this is completely you a You're just dropping gems and, and pieces of amazing information. Thank you so much, Michael. Um, let me ask you a question. And I ask this for a lot of my listeners. I mean, my, a lot of my uh, podcast guests, but what's the impact you want to have on the world?
1: Yeah, that that is a good question. And I actually just got asked that question probably about a month ago and it took me luckily I was on a 7-hour car ride when I got asked, so I had plenty of time to think about it. And and the conclusion that I came up with uh and what I've determined is is what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. I want to be able to have an impact um on the world. And and what I mean specifically by that, right? I I want to be someone who their opinion, their, um, their voice is uh, respected just in a manner that I can actually affect change, right? I look at like, like let, let me back out a little bit and talk about Utah because Utah is a little bit different than some of the other states, right? But, but Utah, there are a select number of people and groups in Utah that if you get them together, they can do pretty much anything, right? I mean, they can move mountains in Utah. That's how the Utah Jazz came to be. That's how every sport, you know, sports rarely are flocking to Utah, right? But you get these 10 people in a room who can who can move mountains. And when they move mountains, they're usually moving them for the good of the people around them, right? And, and that's where I'm trying to get in my life. That's the impact I'm trying to have in the world is – I personally can say I've been I've benefited from these 10 to 15 people and groups that I've never met in my life, but their influence and their ability to influence those around them have really affected me for the better and made my life significantly more enjoyable, significantly uh, better off than it would have been without them. And and like I said, there's probably even some of those groups that I don't know about. And that's really my goal, right? I, I want to be able to to en- enact real change um and create real impact based on the things that that I'm doing and, and the influence that I have. And that's that's really the goal for me um, and what I'm trying to do, you know, on the world.
0: That's awesome, man. Kudos to you, and I see you doing that sooner rather than later, man. So well done. Um, can't wait to uh, see you again in Phoenix and in the, in, in the Western part of the country as we go out there. And with that, guys, continue to be phenomenal. And before we leave our listeners, can you tell them where they can find find out more about you?
1: Absolutely. So you can reach me a couple different places. Our website is Overland Group Inc., Dot com And we got all sorts of websites. There's overlandcapitalcorp.com. There's overlandconstruction.com, right? So there's a lot of those. Uh, any of the listeners who are trying to reach out to me directly as well, you can reach out uh, at info at overlandcorp.com. That's a monitored email. And that anything that's, uh, that's relevant uh, or needs my attention gets sent directly to me. I spend a lot of time talking with uh, with people and answering questions um, about different things that they have, uh, especially about you know real estate development, things like that. So I'm always happy to, to talk about any of those kind of things.
0: That's awesome, man. Michael, thank you for being on the show. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And until next time, continue to be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit Vikramraya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.